Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Bankery Christian Fellowship Church this morning. It's wonderful to, to be able to join with you uh, and to be able to join together as a family, um, all ages in here today, to worship God, to, to learn from His Word who He is and who we are and how we need Him and how we should respond. So that's what we've come to do this morning, to, to gather together in this place. Uh, if you're a visitor or you're new here, it's great to have you. You're very welcome. And we do hope you'll be at home here and, and get to know some of us. After the service, there's a, a time to do that a bit more. Uh, there'll be some tea and coffee, and do stick around to, to enjoy that. Um, later on this morning, we're going to be looking at the book of First Kings. Um, and in that, we see the true God, and we see some false gods. Uh, this morning, being a family service, we are continuing on the series of teaching that we've been doing in junior church and Bible class. And we've been going through all of the Old Testament and we've got to the point of, well, most recently, the kingdom divided when King Solomon and his sons disobeyed and the kingdom fractured and broke up. And we're going to continue on and look at the next, well, one of the next sequences in the story. Um, and we have a man that is introduced to us called Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet. Does anybody know what a prophet is? Anybody who's in junior church know what a prophet is? Maisie, you know. Someone who works for Jesus. Great, yeah. Someone who works for Jesus. It's somebody who speaks God's words to God's people. And Elijah was a prophet, and he was a prophet at the time of a king called King Ahab. And the Bible tells us that King Ahab was even more wicked than any of the other kings that had gone before him. Um, we're going to be in 1 Kings 18 in a little while for reference. That's where we're going to come into the story. King Ahab was more wicked than any of the kings before him. He and his wife Jezebel, they, they hated God and God's prophets. And in fact, they killed many of them and chased many of them away. And they led them to, to worship false gods, Baals and Asherah. And Baal, he was a false god, but the people then thought that this god Baal could send lightning and fire and rain, that he was in control of storms, and he could give crops, and he could give healthy children. But we'll find out that he, he couldn't do any of these things because he was a false god. Well, Elijah, he comes to challenge King Ahab. And Michelle is going to read for us the first bit of our story in 1 Kings 18, chapter 16 to 29. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. 
So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around their altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Amen. Here we have... Elijah, the prophet of the one true God, and he comes to this wicked king Ahab and he challenges him. And this was a brave thing to do because Ahab was, was not somebody to be messed with. And also we see Elijah is outnumbered. Did anybody remember how many prophets there were of Baal? There's a big number of them. Oh, yes. 450 of them versus one Elijah. I don't know about you. I think I'd be pretty scared if I was Elijah. But Elijah, he's outnumbered, but as we're going to find out, he's not overpowered. And so Elijah, he comes to King Ahab, and he comes to all of the people of Israel, and he says, how long will you keep limping between two opinions? How long are you going to flip-flop between trusting in the God of Israel, the one true God, and Baal? You've got to choose. You've got to choose. And if God is really God, follow him. That's what he says. You've got to choose. Even though he's standing there outnumbered, 450 to 1, standing up against an evil king, Ahab, he tells them, you need to choose who God is, who is your God, and follow him. Because you can't choose both of them. They both lead in very different directions. And you know, that, that, 
is true for us today. We don't worship Baals, we don't worship idols, but we do have lots of things that would want us to put our trust in them. And sometimes we're tempted to, aren't we? But Jesus said in in Matthew chapter 6, you can't serve two gods. Either you'll love one and hate the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. So you've got to choose. And that's the challenge that, that Elijah brings to Ahab and the people, and he brings it to us today. And then Elijah says, let's have a competition. Let's have a competition, and we'll see who the real God really is. So I wanted to demonstrate this, but Duncan being a killjoy said I couldn't light fires on the stage. So I had to think of a different way we could do this. Um, Has anybody ever had a game of tug of war? Okay. If you've got your hands up, come on up. So... um, You guys stand over here for me. Okay, yeah, on you come, on you come. On you come, okay. So, in a game of tug of war, you've got two teams fighting against each other, and you pull either sides of a rope. So, okay, guys, you can have this side. All of you over there. No, Samuel as well, and Malachi. Everybody over there. In fact, we really should have some more people over that side, but this will do. And this is the rules. It's all of you guys against me. And I'm only going to use one hand. Same fair? In fact, you need a bit more rope. Pull it your, pull it your direction. Feed it through. Okay, so who's going to win this tug of war? You are. Because there's just way too many of you guys. And I'm definitely not that strong. Okay, what if I told you that the other end of this rope was actually anchored into the floor? <laughs> now, does that change your mind? Who's going to win? Well, I had that concern as well. That's why I'm not going to do this for real. <laughs> okay, you can go and sit down again. Thanks, guys. Good job. So, you had way more people on your side, and... You guys were stronger than me, but my end of the rope was anchored into the ground. So there's no way you were going to pull it. And what if the rope was actually tied not to the ground, but to, I don't know, a couple of army tanks that could pull it that direction? Wouldn't matter if everybody in this room was holding the rope. You're not winning that, that, that battle. And, and Elijah, he knew he was outnumbered, but he knew who was on his side. See, it didn't matter how strong he was. It mattered whose side he was on. And he was on God's side. And he knew that even if there was 450 people on the other side, it really didn't matter. So he set a competition. And the competition wasn't a tug of war. The competition was uh, a fire lighting competition. And so he, um, he tells them, to go and collect some wood, to get an animal, to choose a bull that they were going to to sacrifice, and they were going to set up their altar just right with their nice dry wood on the altar, but they weren't to light it. They weren't to set a match to it. They were supposed to instead go and pray to their gods, to Baal, and to tell him to set fire. 
And you know, Elijah, he actually stacked the deck in the favor of the team Baal, when you think about it, because he, he said, let's do this on Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel was where they worshiped Baal. This is where their home ground was. So he said, let's, let's do it on your territory. And he said, well, let's do a firelighting competition because your God's supposed to be the one that can send down lightning. So your home territory, really, this should play into your strengths. And he said, you can go first because he was so confident that nothing would happen because he knew that they were praying to a God who didn't exist. So this was the contest that was placed before them. And he said they could go first. And, you know, we see Elijah's confidence again because although he was overpowered, or although he was outnumbered, he was not overpowered. He knew God was on his side. And, you know, when we are Christians, it can often be the case that we feel outnumbered, especially at school. I remember what it was like to be at school and basically be the only Christian in school. And it's not a nice feeling. It can be scary. And it can be a thing that makes you feel quite vulnerable. And do you know what, kids? When you grow up, it just is the same in a lot of places. When you, when you go to work and when you're online, you might find yourself outnumbered. You might find that you hold opinions that the world thinks are silly, that people might mock God. But here's something to remember. Even when you're outnumbered in those circumstances, you're not overpowered because God is real and God is on our side. And the Bible tells us that if God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody can be against us if God is for us. And that verse in Romans, it speaks really about our salvation. You know, the devil would say, oh, you're too sinful to be saved. Look at all the bad things you've done. There's no way you are good enough. And that's right. There's no way we are good enough. But if God is on our side, not even the devil can stand against us. God is for us, and he saves us not because we are good enough, but because Jesus Christ is good enough, that he is the one who holds the power to save each and every one of us. So even though we may feel like we are weak and not good enough, if God is on our side, no one can stand against us. And as we go into the weak, if we go into situations where we feel like we're all on our own, remember this, God is with you. And if he is with you, no one can be against you. We're going to sing in a little while. Not just yet, actually. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Sorry, Dougie. Sorry, Dougie. You're still awake. <laughs> uh, so we, we see then, after the competition is laid out, what happens? We see these 450 prophets of Baal. They, they go about their business. And what do we see them doing? Making lots of noise from morning through till noon. They're shouting. They're screaming. They're praying out to Baal saying, send, send some fire. And what happens? Just that. Silence. No one speaks. No one responds. No one answers. For all their shouting, there's no response. And Elijah, he starts to mock them. And he says, well, I think you need to shout a bit louder, guys. Your, your God just can't hear you. Maybe, maybe he's busy. Maybe your Baal is off on a journey somewhere and you just need to shout a bit louder so he can hear you. Or 
or maybe he's actually on the toilet. That's what he says. He says, maybe, maybe he's on the toilet. Well, he said, shout louder and maybe he'll, he'll answer. So they did and they shouted more and they danced and they jumped and they did all of they possibly could think of to get Baal to answer them. And what happened? Silence. Absolutely nothing happened. Because Baal is not a real God. He's fake. He can't answer. And you know, this scene is comical in some ways. When you see all of these 450 people jumping and dancing around, shouting on this fake God to answer them. But it's also tragic. It's tragic that you've got these people who desperately are looking for their God to answer them, but he can't answer because he's not even there. And that's true today. We've got people that we know who are shouting out for answers, but they don't know the one true God. They're shouting out to gods who don't exist and can't help them. And if we're Christians, well, we know that we must shout out to God alone. He is real and he can answer. And if we know that, we need to tell our friends about that as well. So the first half of the competition has taken place. We've had the Baal team have their go. They've shouted and screamed and nothing happened. And then Elijah, it's his turn, and he's going to build an altar. Um, Can I have a volunteer to help me? Angus, good man. Okay, so Angus, I've got some, some things here that you can choose to light this fire. Um, to build an altar and light a fire. We've got some stones, we've got some kind of briquettes or firewoods, some matches, and some water. So I want you to pretend you're Elijah and choose what what are you going to use to build your fireplace with? Okay, that's a solid start. Something to burn, some wood. Okay, some matches. Okay. And we've got some stones. Okay. Okay, right, great, okay, that's a good start. Okay, you have a seat, and I'm going to read, and we'll see what Elijah chose. We'll see what Elijah does. So, reading from um, 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones, um, and he took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench, a hole, about the altar as great as would contain two seas of seed. And he put the wood in, in order, and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran round the altar and filled the trench with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. 
that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Okay. So Elijah, he prepares his altar, but he, he doesn't, uh, doesn't want these matches because he doesn't want people to think that he's lit this by his strength, by his good scouting skills. And in fact, he doesn't want to think, anybody to think that this just caught fire because it was a really hot, dry time, because there'd been no rain in the land for years. So he gets water. He gets 12 jars full of water, and he pours it over everything. Now, anybody who knows anything about lighting fires would know this is a terrible way to light a fire. Everything was soaked. There was no way it was just going to catch fire on itself. And there was no way that Elijah, even if he had a box of matches, was going to set fire to this thing. He wanted everybody to know that God was the one who had the power. And so he set it up just this way. And then we see Elijah, what he does in verses 36 and 37. He's not like the, the prophets of Baal who jumped and danced and shouted and did all of their rituals to try and get the attention of their God. Elijah just prays. He says, oh Lord, answer me. Oh Lord, answer me. That's what he does to get the attention of his God. You know, some of us, even those of us who are Christians, we fall into the mistake of thinking we have to perform some kind of a ritual or do things just the right way to get God's attention. And we have to keep doing it again and again and again or he just won't listen. Well, Elijah's example here is something for us to follow. He has faith in God. He knows that God is powerful, and he just says, God, help me. And that's available to us today who are Christians. If we know God, if he is our Father, because of what Jesus has done for us, well, Jesus gives us the right to go and speak to him and say, Lord, help me. We don't need to go through any religious rituals. We have access to God through Jesus Christ, and that is an incredible thing to know. And then we see what happens. We see straight after Elijah prays. Again, this is different to what happened before. The prophets of Baal spent all day shouting and jumping and dancing. Elijah prays, and instantly God answers. There's no delay. He doesn't have to wake God up. God never slumbers or sleeps. And he is ready, waiting for Elijah's prayer, and he answers it instantly. That's an incredible thing for us to think, that when we speak to God, there is no delay between us speaking and God hearing and answering. Now, God might not always answer our prayers in the way that we expect, but he always answers. And this is a wonderful truth for us. The power of God is seen in these passages, that the fire comes down and it burns up the soaking sacrifice. It burns up the wood, even the stones and the dust and all of the water that was in the trench is evaporated. 
Nothing can stand in the way of the power of God. And God's power is a frightening thing for the prophets of Baal. They're standing in opposition to him and they see this power. God's power is frightening if we're standing in opposition to him. But if God's power is for us, then that is a wonderful thing. And we see God's power so clearly displayed when Jesus was raised back from the dead. You know, the power that it took to set this wood on fire was nothing compared to the power that was on display when Jesus, who died for our sins, came back to life, showing that he is God with all of this power and that he is for those who cry out to God and say, Lord, help me. That's good news for us today. And so, if you are a Christian, know that even though you might be outnumbered, you will not be overpowered. And if you're not a Christian, know that this power of God that might seem like a fearful and a frightening thing is actually a wonderful thing when it is ours for salvation through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And in his resurrection, we see that power for us. So these are the things to remember when we look at Elijah. He is outnumbered. He is not overpowered. And this power of God that we see, at the start, it demands a response. Elijah said, if God is God, don't just know that. Follow him. And that's what we see at the end of this passage. The people see the fire falling down. They see that God is God. The Lord, he is God. And they fall on their faces and they follow him. And that's for us to do as well today. Give you with these words from Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.